The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Hello, and welcome to Know the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and I'm joined by my co-host, the Libra icon, Dwayne. What's going on, Dwayne? Not much. Checking out the tournament. Right now, North Carolina Central is losing, and it's beautiful. Well, you know, I know you have all my moderate reasons for your love and your enjoyment of that, that particular yes. outcome. Yes. Too bad you can't just go with the home team, but, you know, I understand. I, I would love to, but I just can't. <laughs> <laughs> and we're joined for this special edition by none other than In the Bleachers himself on Twitter, Michael Felder. What's going on, Felder? Nothing, man. Um, just happy to be here and... Uh, <laughs> Ready to talk a little NFL football and some, you know, guys from college moving on up. I'm pretty pumped about it. All right, man. So you can find us here at Know the Score on CSPN.us. You can also find us on iTunes. You can find us on SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher Radio. So we're going to get right into it. Last week, of course, we had the NFL Combine. We had a lot of guys show up for the Combine. Now, Felder, I want to um, pick your brain about what a guy can gain from going to the Combine and having a pro day rather than just doing a pro day? What do they gain by actually showing up and uh, performing at the combine? Foremost, you're radar, right? Like, they have to invite you to the combine. So every guy that goes to the combine is someone that NFL scouts are like, hey, we need to have this guy here to see what he's all about. So I think that's a big part of it. And then, um, obviously, from there, you have to um, recognize that, you know, I, I, this is my shot to prove against the best of best or what the NFL deems is the best of the best. I had this is my shot to prove that I belong on the stage. So for me, when I watch it, I'm just like, these guys all are guys that the NFL believes belong here. And then, then they take it from there. Now, of course, the pro days will be happening uh, throughout the next couple of weeks and months as guys, you know, work out with their own, you know, teams and in their own facilities. Now, how does that comfort level maybe help a guy that maybe doesn't show up at the combine, but still, you know, can still help his draft stock by just having an awesome pro day? It's one of those things where certainly the comfort level is huge. You're working out in your own facility, in your your own gear, which I think that, that part may be underrated. You're working out in your, in your own gear, which means your own cleats and your own, you know, your own tights and with, with your own quarterback and, and your own balls. Not the, the it, it, that's, it, it, to me, that's valuable, the idea that, that you're out there running around, around on a field that you're spending your entire college career running on, on out there running around the same same shorts that you, know, you practice in, that you, you lifted weights that you, you've been training. I think that that's huge. Because combine, they all have to wear this. What is it? Is it Under Armour gear? They, they all have to wear. Mm-hmm. Except for the, for the shoes, run the 40 or whatever. Like you all get there, you, you get to wear whatever. Except for the, for the shoes, you get whatever you, you want to wear at, at college. You get your whole whole deal. If you're a, a guy that's Nike for life or Nike. Where Adidas, if there's there's someone else wears new New Balance, you can maybe be where they. But at the, the end of the day, that that comfort you can then then having a fair face face. If you're a wide receiver, throw you to the football, or if you're a quarterback, the football football to a face face is critical. You guys guys know what things things work. The defense is a bad recognize how how the field works and, and where it's and all spot spots. And I think it's for everybody. I think it's I think it's the, the biggest backs and wide receiver. All right. All right. Now, Dwayne, I'll let you uh, jump in here. If you had a, a question that you wanted to ask Felder about, um, you know, the combine and if, or, you know, or, uh, pro day or anything yeah. like that. So in the combine process, 
I would say what is it, what are the things that the scouts and the GMs are looking for in particular? Are looking for uh, the best player available or guys that fill in their system or both? I think it's a little. It's a little. It's a. I. I, I think the combine in in itself for the whole the holy trinity, which is your, your idea idea that your um, combine man matters, your test results, and then your film matter matters, and then after, then after film, it, it becomes the uh, the, uh, the 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 sort of intangibles interview interviews. All those all matter, all matter together. But um, it's one, it's one of those things that uh, that um, I look at it. I, I look at look at the combine when I when I try to evaluate it. What I'm doing. What I end up doing when I think a lot of scouts and a lot of folks, what they end up doing and what I end up doing when I look at it is the combine is just a piece of it. And the big thing, and I know you asked about best player available versus who's the most talented player. It all depends on what your team needs. If you're a team that can afford to simply go with the best player available because you've got, you know, for the most part, a team that's capable of getting to the playoffs, then maybe you take the guy that could have the biggest impact on your team, but if you're the Browns or if you're the, um, you know, if you're the Ravens, you have to target specific spots. If you're the Browns, you know, you need a quarterback. If you're the Ravens, you know, you need a wide receiver. And I think that those things elevate, which is why during in the first, during the first round, we often see a run on a bunch of players where we didn't think this guy would go this high, but four teams ahead of him picked all the guys that were supposed to be pretty good at that spot. So now they're picked. Now they got to get the next best guy. All right. So day one of the combine showcased the running backs and the offensive linemen. So, of course, everybody came to see Saquon Barkley, who was basically the gem of the combine uh, the first day. Um, and he definitely impressed. He lived up to everybody's expectations and probably more. He, you know, showed out with uh, all the measurements and all the numbers, the 40-yard the dash, the hands as far as catching the ball, the agility drills. So just talk about uh, Saquon Barkley. Um we pretty much know that the Browns are probably probably going to pass on him, and so the Giants will be the next team that will have a chance to pick him. Is he one of these, you know, once in a generational players? We've seen kind of the running back position come back here in the last couple of years in the draft with Delvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, uh, Zeke Elliott. Is he along that line of those guys? Not yet. Not yet. He's not. I mean, I think the difference between, and I'm not even a big Fournette guy. Um, I think Leonard Fournette is still someone that needs and they're taking steps if you watch the jazz they just signed the was it the norvell guy mm-hmm. out of um carolina yes sir they're taking steps yeah. to create an offensive line that can make him a superstar but realistically the best running back we've had the best two running backs we've had in the last probably 20 years are todd Gurley and adrian peterson and i don't think that barkley fits into that mix right now i mean you look at his numbers and more importantly for me, you look at the film and what his games look like. They look like C.J. Spiller games. And for someone that's 230 pounds, they shouldn't play football like C.J. Spiller. So I think for him, it's not an issue of can't do. It's an issue of will do. And he's got to show you that he can. he's willing to run between the tackles. And he's willing to pick up tough yards all the time. And I think that that can go a long way. He has the athleticism and the talent to be you know, the first overall pick or the second pick or the third pick, whatever it is, top five pick. It's just a matter of, is he going to give you what you want in terms of sometimes the games are hard? Can you be a Le'Veon Bell for me when I need you to, which is have 40 carries in a game and, you know, only gain 75 yards but have no negative carries? Right, right, right. Another uh, running back that a lot of people had their eyes on was Sony Michelle. 
of the yes. Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, what do you think about his effort and uh, how he uh, performed at the combine? I love Sony Michelle. I think that he is absolutely. I think to me, he should be the best back in this draft in people's eyes. I mean, we're talking about a guy that's 5'11", 215, um, that ran a 4'5", which is what he needed to do, 4'2 on the 20. That's a good number. 22 bench reps, good number. He did all those things that he needed to do. The big thing for him, and I don't think he gets enough credit for it, is he um, not enough people follow college football in the idea of I saw him as a freshman, then as a sophomore, then as a junior, then as a senior. But and Dwayne, I'm pretty sure you can help me out on this. When Sonny yeah. Michelle got to Georgia, he was a um, like a scat back. He was. He really and, was. Right, like he played some slot and like was like a little guy. And then yeah. to see what he did in the title game and the games leading up to that, where he was bulldozing people, but still I, had that scat back ability to run away from guys. It was like, amazing. He, right, he changed his body and his game. To me, that's evolution that that keeps you on the field, that keeps you going strong. That should to me, make him a very good NFL player. I totally agree with that. And just the just the progression and the role, I think it was the Rose Bowl. It was the Rose Bowl that Georgia, mm-hmm. yeah. So that was, I think, the coming out party. And then the title game just really sealed the deal. And then him going to the combine really helped out a lot. Uh, I have a question, though, too, on who's the best receiver to you available? I know – a lot of the teams are looking at Calvin Ridley, uh, and and you know I know the Cowboys, the Panthers, uh, Ravens who only wide receivers. Like I know the Panthers got Torrey Smith, but they do need another receiver, you know, to help out Devin Funchess and Smith and Greg Olson. Uh, who would be the who's the best receiver? A couple guys that'd be available for those kind of teams that need or need one. I think Calvin Ridley is the best wide receiver in this draft. Um, his route running is outstanding. His ability to catch the football is amazing. Uh, but I think Christian, I think Christian Kirk is probably the best weapon at wide receiver. A guy that's going to help you in kickoff return. He's going to help you in punt return. He's going to be able to get. He can turn a screen into a ninety-five yard play if you give him an opportunity. And I think that's also good for him. I also think that Marcel Aitman from. Oklahoma State is going to be better than his teammate James Washington. Aitman is, I mean, he's six foot four. I mean, this guy's 230 pounds. He's huge. He can play. I think he could have, uh, if he gets in the right spot, he could have a Mike Evans type impact if you get him the ball in the right places. And then other guys, as you get kind of, I don't know if later in the draft is the right word, but you get to the second day of the draft. And then we start talking about guys like an Alan Lazard from Iowa State, big physical target who can play. Ray Ray McLeod who behind Calvin Ridley may be the best route runner in this draft after Ridley because Ridley's outstanding. And then my man DJ Moore from Maryland, who I think he had the most underrated combine. He's six feet tall, which everyone – I thought they listed him at Maryland as 5'11". I thought he would measure out at 5'10". He's six feet tall is what they measured him at at the combine, which means to me he's going to play fantastic because I thought he he was – I thought he was 5'10", playing like a guy that was 6'2". If he's actually six feet tall, he's going to play like a guy that's 6'4". He goes up and he gets the football. I thought that um, in the Big Ten they did a good job of trying to push him out of bounds because they knew he was going to catch it. Anthony Miller from Memphis is another wide receiver that I think is going to be a day-two pickup for someone that's just reliable, consistent, aggressive to the football. Um, I, there's a lot of guys that I do really like, and those that's the tops of the list for me. And I'm curious to watch what happens of Cam Sutton 
from uh, SMU because he is a player that was super high on a lot of people's radar early. Or excuse me, Cortland Sutton, not Cam. Cortland Sutton from SMU, who was high on the radars, could have been the number one wide receiver coming out. And then a lot of people kind of backed off of him because he didn't seem to be as fast as they wanted him to be. And you get into that, then you get into Deion Kane, who is from Clemson, who I think he's exceptional. I think Deion Kane's going to end up on a team and he's going to end up being their number one wide receiver when they thought they were just getting a number two or a number three. All right. Now the Giants are in, like we talked about in a previous episode, another score. They're kind of in this position where they need a quarterback, they need a receiver, I mean, an offensive lineman, <laughs> and they need a running back, and they're at number two. So let's talk about some offensive linemen. Uh, we had Orlando Brown from Oklahoma, who, oh. you know, people were disappointed in, in his bench press uh, performance there. Didn't seem to be as strong as uh, they would like him to be. But a lot of people uh, were blown away by Colton Miller. A lot of people t- thought that he had maybe the best workout at the combine. So just talk about some offensive linemen if your team may be in the market for, you know, a, a, a tackle or interior lineman. Well, I think first up, Quentin Nelson. I mean, the guy is amazing, period. He's the best offensive lineman in the entire draft. I don't care what anyone says, he is the best. I mean, the guy is a monster. Like, Quentin Nelson, Notre Dame, he plays guard. And I think a lot of times people, like, live by this mantra of who cares what guards do, blah, 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 blah. And then you watch Quentin Nelson play and the guy is manhandling people. Like, I mean, a lot of what he did might've been classified as child abuse because if he's doing it to freshman and he's in a, and he's a 20 year old guy, that's not good. He's, he's hurting. It's not fun. Like you shouldn't send an 18 year old out there to try to, to beat him because he buries them into the ground. Um, the thing for me with, uh, was it Colton Miller? Yes, sir. Is, I watched a lot of his actual games. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, they were they were bad. Like they were UCLA was bad, and I understand you can't be a one man force like on that team, right? But man, they weren't good. His numbers were great, but I watched him. I watched him play, and it wasn't great. It was not good. So I mean, I'm watching Rosen play, and the guy was under duress like all the time. You know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of those things that I think about every time I see that. It's it's like me this year trying to pick a Florida State quarterback, you know, or last year. I mean, Florida State um, wide, uh, offensive lineman for the last two years when Blackman and Francois just got destroyed. Like, it's tough to rectify those two things. Um, so, I don't know. I think that the, the tough part, if you're a Giants fan, and obviously you're at the top of – you're picking at the top, I don't know what you do, like – I think Quentin Nelson makes sense because he can help your offense. He's going to make your offensive line overall better. I don't, I don't want to pick Saquon Barkley at number two. I don't want to pick. I don't want to do. And I guess I mean depending on I mean the Browns are going to take Sam Darnold, right? Or Josh. Or Josh Allen, I guess. It's everything. Everything I've read points directly to Darnold. Okay. Okay. Everything I've read points directly to Darnold. Everything I've talked, everyone I've talked to is like Darnold, 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 Darnold. And if that's the case, Josh Rosen is there. He will be there, which that would make some sense. I don't think there's a tackle to take in the top five. I don't think, I think Barkley, I think at that same spot in the next round, and they do have that, what is that, the 34th pick or the 30, 
34th pick, right? 34th, yeah. I think you can still get a running back that's going to make you happy. You can do it there. You can do it a little bit later. It's still going to make you happy. Quentin Nelson makes a lot of sense. He's a really good offensive lineman that's going to make your entire offensive line great. Or you get Josh Rosen because Rosen, I think he's the best quarterback in the draft. I think Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield are fighting for that number two spot. But I think Josh Rosen is number one. The stuff that he does with the football, in my mind, is outstanding. And that kind of brings me to that question. I kind of, I guess you kind of did touch it a little bit on it. And my whole thing was, of course, Quentin Nelson's there, especially now with the Giants when they signed Nate Solder from the Patriots. Yep. And so that kind of addresses the left tackle issue. Uh, does it move Eric Flowers over? And um, can you put Nelson in at a guard or somewhere, or plug him in somewhere in one of the two guards guard areas? Yeah, I think Nelson's a day one starter at guard, left guard or right guard. I think he's a day one starter. I think if you plug him in on the left side, move move Flowers to the right side, plug plug Solder, and then you put you put in um, Quentin Nelson at the left guard. I think you got a really strong left side that might be able to buy Eli another season. Like you know what I mean? Like that's good. Yeah. That's a good thing. Let's go play some football, and then you get a running back in round two or round three that can run between the tackles and can run behind them off their butts. Let's go play ball. That's a good, that's good. Let's do that. And as long as Odell Beckham is, you know, out of trouble, we're good to go. Right. 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 And my other question. Okay. So since we did get into the quarterbacks a little bit, um, everything points to Donald at one, uh, your take is Rosen's the best in the draft. Uh, where would you see Lamar Jackson and or Baker Mayfield going? Do they land uh, in a quarterback needy spot like New York or Denver, something like that. I think that I think the question becomes: If you're New York, how do you feel about Rosen? I think that obviously we've seen what is it? Is it Mara or Mara? Mara. Mara. We've seen his apprehension and worry about. Well, uh, you know, I didn't want fans to get mad at me if uh, the players took a knee. You know, uh, Colin Kaepernick. We saw that, right? Mm-hmm. We did. I think, I think Rosen could bring more of that. That he it may make him worry so much that they may miss on a quarterback that's going to be really good because Josh Rosen is, and I've spent time with him. I spent time with him when he was a rising senior in high school, and he was a guy that he played the part, but he knew what he had to do, and he did just that because he had other stuff he was interested in. And I spent time with him as a what was he a junior in college, and guess what? I'm he's still the same guy. He is he's as smart as they get. He is as dedicated. He's as dedicated to football as someone who's good needs to be. And then he does not waste time beyond that. He real. He is. I don't want to say he's the anti JJ Watt, but he recognizes that being captain tryhard isn't going to make him win more football games. So he does his work. He does the extra work that he needs to, and then he's ready to go home. He doesn't stay there for staying there's sake to make it look good. But right. he's very, but he is focused. He's dedicated. And he's good at his. And he's good at the craft. Um, so for my money, I think that Josh Rosen is the best quarterback in this group. Um, then when we get into it, I don't know. Like if the Giants don't want that type of a guy, maybe they. I don't know that they want Baker Mayfield either because Mayfield is. He's a hot head and he's fiery. And I don't know if from Eli to that is a good transition. But I think when we get into it, Rosen one, Jackson two, and Mayfield three. We know the Colts won't take one. The Texas, I mean, excuse me, the Browns are going to take 
um, Sam Darnold. So they're fine there. Now we get into the Broncos and the Broncos, um, which, by the way, are we ever going to talk about John Elway completely just whiffing on Paxton Lynch and pretending like nothing ha- like that never happened? <laughs> man, oh, man. <laughs> Man. Like, literally, they're just pretending like, oh, no, no, John Elway knows what he's talking about with quarterbacks. Really? Right. <laughs> so, Pat- now we get to the Broncos and the Jets, and the Broncos and Jets are where we could see, let's say the Giants do take Rosen. Now the Broncos and Jets, I think back-to-back, we could see Jackson and Mayfield come off the board. Lamar Jackson is a quarterback, and obviously I don't have to convince you guys of that. You know that he's a quarterback first. He's a quarterback only, not first, only. Right. And – I mean, the stuff he does with the football is amazing. Don, you saw him just demolish UNC. Yes, sir. I mean, like, just take them apart. Not with his legs, with his arm. And he, it's not, like, it's it's silly that people are talking about him switching positions when he's never played wide receiver, he's never been a wide receiver, and he's made so many strides at quarterback that if a white guy has done what, if a white guy had done what Lamar Jackson's done, I think people will be talking about him as proof that guys can grow and this is the growth you want. So we need to talk about him as the number one quarterback. That's, that's maybe the most frustrating part because in in our lifetime, in our lifetime, when have we ever talked about a Bobby Petrino quarterback not playing in a pro style system? And that's going to benefit them for having longevity, longevity in the NFL. Mm -hmm. That's crazy, right? Right. Lamar Jackson's running the same offense as Ryan Mallett. What? What's different? He has more stuff to do, so he makes more reads pre-snap, more reads post-snap, and the same reads as Ryan Mallett, and he's not ready to play in the NFL? Right. That's nuts. Right. That's insane. And then Baker Mayfield, I think the kid is so special. Um, I'll admit I was wrong on Johnny Manziel. I thought that he had the ability to get it done, but, I mean, he just he's not, he's not good. He wasn't good. And I don't buy the idea that drugs and alcohol kept Johnny Manziel off the field. I think he just wasn't good enough. I think he wasn't good enough. I think drugs and alcohol become a excuse for why you're not good when the reality is you're just you're not big enough, you're not fast enough, you're not strong enough. I mean, if you couldn't cut in Cleveland, then that says a lot. So yep. yeah, yeah, he just wasn't good enough. I think Baker Mayfield is good enough, strong enough. I don't think he's fast enough to run around. But I think he is strong enough to get out of plays. Um, and I don't know if anyone's heard this comparison before, but I think he's he's got that same sort of strength that we've seen out of uh, Jacoby Brissett, yeah. where it seems like a guy might be able to get him down, but he he does this weird pop-up where the guy's arm comes off of him, and then he's able to at least throw the ball out of bounds. Right, right. And I think he's got that, and he – his mechanics are good, but he does. He's so unbeholden to his mechanics that he's willing to throw the ball off of his back foot in a in a lowered arm slot to make sure that the throw is good for his wide receiver. And most quarterbacks aren't willing to do that. He's willing to take a hit to make sure his wide receiver doesn't have to take one. He's willing to throw the ball before he wants to to make sure that his wide receiver doesn't have to take a hit. And I pro- I promise you this. If you go back and you watch Oklahoma, watch a bunch of Baker Mayfield passes. Watch how few times his wide receivers get hit. And to me, that's a that's a recog- that's there are far fewer indicators of a recognition of what the defense is doing than understanding that you have to stop a wide receiver or you have to outthrow a wide receiver so that he doesn't get hit and then that ball that should be caught turns into 
a tip ball, possible interception, or your wide receiver getting hurt. Baker Mayfield does that better than anyone in college football. Mm, definitely be something to look out for. Now, Felder, before we move on from the quarterbacks, there's always a late round gem or two that somebody will uncover through some uh, diligent scouting. Is there anybody that, you know, could go outside of those, you know, first few guys that somebody could pick up like the Redskins or in need of a future quarterback? So. <laughs> You know, could they find somebody here? Maybe you know, fourth round, fifth round, third I round. I knew this was coming. <laughs> I knew the Redskins question was coming, right? Right. Um, I think Kyle Laletta from Richmond is obviously a guy that's hot on a lot of people's minds. He's a good quarterback, decent arm strength, um, good enough athleticism to kind of play a little bit of a rollout quarterback. So he's certainly one. Personally, I'm a big Nick Shimanek fan from Texas Tech. He is like. He's like Pat Mahomes light, not as quick of a release, not as big of an arm, but certainly can still make it fly when he has to. So I'm a Nick Shimanek fan. I think he's going to get picked. I think he can make some big things happen. All right. Now we're going to shift over to the defensive lineman and the oh, linebackers. Oh, oh. oh, yeah, go Riley, ahead. I mean, Riley Ferguson as well. He's from Charlotte. He's one of the first people I interviewed when I was working the high school football job. Riley Ferguson. Somebody's going to pick him. He's from Memphis. I He's really good, man. Yes, Riley's he good. He went I to remember. Tennessee, remember? I, I remember him when, when I was in Charlotte. Yeah. yeah. I remember Riley. He was special. And he still is. Uh, when he, because that, I know Memphis has that spread offense. They have that high scoring offense, that shootout, that basketball yep. score in the American title game. But he really can play. I've been following him from Charlotte all the way. Even in Nashville now, I still follow him too. So, yeah. very special player. He's good. All right. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, our scouting department is doing their due diligence because, you know, this Alex Smith thing is, is, is only temporary. We need somebody that we can hopefully when they prove they're good, lock in for a long term contract. Um, next, we'll go to the D linemen and the linebackers. Of course, Bradley Chubb was, you know, the big name going into the combine. You know, uh, everybody thinks that he's the consensus best defensive lineman in the draft. Uh, Shaq Griffin, though, became the star of the combine, uh, just doing everything well in the drills, the blazing uh, 40 yard dash, 4.3. And then uh, Tremaine Edmonds as well, another guy who showed up. Uh, a lot of people were expecting big things from him in the combine. So, talk about, you know, your D, your D linemen and your linebackers, some guys that you see uh, that are going to make some uh, big waves in the NFL. I'm a I'm a big Vita Vea fan personally. Like I think he is an underrated lineman. I think he may be the best one in this in this group. Uh, Vita Vea, the kid from Washington, big boy that gets the job done. I think he is really really special. I think Harrison Phillips is going to be a long time defensive, maybe a five technique uh, or th probably a five technique for someone. Guy out of Stanford, and then Deron Payne. I really like him as well. I guess I have a question for you guys. Yes, sir. You, when you watch. Bradley Chubb. Mm -hmm. We always think about best edge rusher, best defensive lineman in this draft. But if you look at Bradley Chubb and you look at the draft in the last five years, six years, where does he fit in that? With Miles Garrett, with Jadavian Clowney, with all these other guys that have come out, where does he fit in there? That's a good question. That's a good I question. Saying. I think he's around Dante Fowler, maybe a little bit better than him. But you know, Dante what? Fowler lost his his rookie year because of the injury. Yeah. You think he's better than Dante Fowler? I, no, no, I don't think he's better. I, I think Dante Fowler is better than him, but I think he's a, a, around that that kind of talent level. I would say, I would say probably number five. I'd probably put Clowney, Garrett, Fowler, um, maybe. Hey, who who else was I'm trying? Uh, Ansa. 
Ziggy. Then, yes. Because, like, and I just – that's the big thing. That's the thing I always think about when it comes to the NFL draft. We always rate – we rate everything on just this year, and we never look back, and we never think about where they fit equationally. And the thing that got me started thinking about this, because guess what? He's also not better than Joey Bosa. Right, right. I'll give you that. That's I'll something totally we didn't even talk about. Him. He's not better than Bosa. Right. I totally forgot about Bosa, probably because he's on the Los Angeles Chargers, and nobody he's... talks about the Los Angeles Chargers. So, like – the thing that gets me, he's also not better than Leonard Williams. So the thing that gets me about it all is that, and it started out with quarterbacks for me, where guys like Blake Bortles would get picked in the top five when we know if they came out in the same, if he, if Bortles came out in the same draft as Mariota and Winston, we wouldn't consider him to be a top five quarterback mm-hmm. ever. And the same thing went for, you know, golf, if he came out in that draft with Winston, or if golf came out with Andrew Luck, he wouldn't have been, he wouldn't, no one would think about him as a first overall pick. So that's the tough thing I have with Chubb because I know that NC State has produced by themselves better, better defensive linemen than that. Like he wouldn't even be, I don't know that I don't, would, I don't know that I would pick um him over what was his name? Manny, um, Manny Lawson. Manny Lawson. Now, do you think that he he's gonna stick at a defensive end, or do you think that he would maybe switch out to outside linebacker if he got to the proper team? Uh, he what does he weigh? Two seventy? Yeah. I mean, he's gonna have to play. I think I think Bradley Chubb's at his best hand down, even though he's shown some ability in coverage. I think his coverage ability is at its best when the team doesn't know what's coming and they know they can't manipulate it into coming. So I think he has to put his hand down. And it's not a knock on him as an NC State player. It's more a knock on. It's more just this draft doesn't have the defensive end talent that we've seen in previous drafts. So I look at him and I think he is very good, but I think that in the grand scheme of when we talk about the NFL draft, he's not quite the level that we've seen. And I mean, think about it. He's not Garrett, a transcendent talent. Yes. Garrett, Bosa, Clowney, like that doesn't even get us into, you know, almost, what is it? Almost was almost 20 years ago when we're talking about peppers and Mario Williams coming out, like, he doesn't – come on. Right. He's right. not that guy. That doesn't mean he isn't good, but it means the gap bet- the gap between Julius Peppers or Mario Williams or or even Joey Bosa and Chubb, to me, that's bigger than the gap between Chubb and, you know, like a guy like a um, Harold Landry, Arden Key, if Arden Key's healthy from LSU – uh, Taekwon Lewis, if he's got, if he's good to go from Ohio State, the gap between those guys is smaller than the gap between him and those and the, the guys that we know are proven elite pass rushers. Even Khalil Mack, if he has, if he wanted to play linebacker, Khalil Mack is an insane. Right, right. This is true. Now speaking of even Cameron Wake too. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. Defensive line, to me personally, I think it's the quickest way for your team to go from not being so good to being real good. Is really? if you if you get your defensive line straight, and I think I, they can be. I think you can be good with a defensive line, but you you also can lose a lot of games even if your defensive line is good. Right. Yeah, because if you get a running team that knows how to run the ball, especially in the late game situations, the first guys that are tired are those defensive linemen yep. because all the hits they be taking. Yep. You got to sub them out, and then once they're out of the game, you target that area. Let's go get them. So let's talk about some some linebackers. Um, what's the guy from uh, Roquan Smith? That's the guy from Georgia, right? 
Roquan Smith is amazing. That everybody that I would personally wish the Redskins could draft, but we have a more pressing need up front on the defensive line. Uh, so even with Jonathan Allen, you guys still have a pressing need up front. Yes, sir. We need more. We need we need true. We need a true three four center of the line defensive. Yes, sir. We've been trying to get by with Ziggy Hood and just not get good Vita, enough. If you get Vitavea, he can do that. Is that the guy from Washington? Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's what I've seen a lot of mocks. I've seen us having him, unless you know Mayfield is still hanging around. We might do something there, but yeah, that's the guy that I'm kind of been looking at um, here lately in the mocks and kind of watch. I watched his uh, combine workout and everything. So, but as far as the linebackers go, just kind of give us a couple of guys. Uh, Shaq Griffin, you know, was the talk of the draft, but some guys maybe that you know maybe didn't show so good in the combine, but are really good on film uh, at the linebacker position. One, Roquan Smith is awesome. Um, I love him. Have loved him since, like, 2014. He's the same year as Josh Rosen. I saw them all together, along with uh, Malik Jefferson from Texas. Uh, Malik is also good. I think he's going to be end up being a rush guy that also plays a little linebacker. Uh, Malik is an outside linebacker. Roquan, inside linebacker. The dude's the truth. He is the upgraded version of what people thought Alec Ogletree would be coming out of Georgia. Wow. The kid is outstanding. Because the Giants and, fans are over the moon that they just got Alec Ogletree from the Rams. Yeah, right. and Alec Ogletree makes every tackle going to the side or backwards. Ro- Roquan Smith makes every tackle where the other guy's going backwards. <laughs> it's unbe- It's watching because he beats him to the spot. He knows what he's doing. Like, Alec Ogletree is a converted safety. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's, like, there. listen, I can tell you this. I played safety. There's some stuff I'm not sticking my nose in. Right. That's just a fact. Yeah, those converted safeties, they are very, it's just uh, a lot of trepidation for certain situations. So. Certain, yeah, you're like, hey, man, I got to make a smart decision. This is a business right. decision. <laughs> I got to play another play. I want to be in here. Um, I think Jack Sitchie, late round, is going to be good because he's a guy that was probably a day one, day two player, probably a day two player, uh, had a major injury at Wisconsin, but he's getting healthy now. And I think he's another one that's probably going to be available maybe late day two, early day three who's going to be really good as an inside linebacker. I personally am a big fan of um, Rashawn Evans from uh, Ohio's front, excuse me, from Alabama. He is really good. He knows what he's doing. He gets his team lined up. He is, I think he's bigger than CJ Mosley, who's clearly made his bones for Baltimore. And he has that same sort of understanding of how to play all the positions, which is good. Uh, we haven't talked a ton about Jerome Baker, but Jerome Baker is in in game outside of Roquan Smith, maybe the fastest linebacker out there in game. His decision making is deliberate, it's abrupt, it's very quick. The question becomes does he want to always get into the fight with you? But certainly if you play him as an off the ball linebacker that's covered up, he can go out and make plays consistently. And then I like the two kids from Indiana, Chris Covington and T Gray Scales. Uh they are both exceptional, willing to play through contact, willing to fight over the top, or quick enough to fight underneath. So I think both of those guys have a bright future as well. All right. And then we're going to move on to the final group, the group that is near and dear to Felder's heart, the (laughs) defensive back group. Uh, Derwin James um, basically, you know, capped off his great season at Florida State with the excellent combine. Uh, Tony Brown as well uh, turned a lot of heads. So just talk about some DBs, uh, safeties, and uh, cornerbacks. They're sticking out some, you know, we're getting to the uh, era where we're getting some taller 
uh, cornerbacks and safeties now to kind of go up against these taller receivers and talk about, you know, how those guys, uh, you know, doing their drills as far as change the direction and open up their hips and uh, tracking the ball. Uh, it's not as easy for tall guys, obviously, but I will tell you this. I think Mika Fitzpatrick's the best defensive back in this draft. Uh, Alabama safety slash corner. He played big nickel for them. A lot of slot work. He is very special, and I think he can be. I think he'll he'll probably be better than Landon Collins has been. Like a guy that can play in the box, can also play in the deep half, can play in the deep middle, and can come down and play inside the box. He's got a lot of Tyran Matthew qualities, but in a body that fits what we liked out of Tyran Matthew a little bit more. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I love him. I think also Derwin James. I hope every listener has seen the clip of him bench pressing an offensive tackle. <laughs> like, and not like he bench pressed the weight of an offensive tackle, because when I was in college, I could bench press an offensive tackle's weight. That's not special. I'm talking about him in game coming off the edge, an offensive tackle trying to block him, and he gets full arm extension, and the offensive tackle goes, you know. teapot over kettle like falls completely backwards on his behind because derwin james pushed him so hard the guy couldn't keep his balance so james is good it's very good he is a great downhill safety a guy that's going to blow people up he can cover across the field which is really good i don't want him covering down the field but i think across the field to 20 yards he's very good he is in my mind a much much better version of what jabril peppers was coming out um I don't even know if it's fair to compare the two of them because he, he was better. He was better than Jabril ever was at that position. Um, Deshaun Elliott is a good safety from Texas who really started to grow into his own, which I liked about him. And I will say, I also got to throw Natrell Jamerson in there from Wisconsin, a focused, dedicated safety that knows what he's doing, a guy that's not going to make mistakes for you, kind of like in uh, Eric Weddle. And we know how good he was, especially when he played for the Chargers. I think he fits into that Eric Weddle mold. His um, defensive coordinator was uh, Jim Leonard. They played for Wisconsin and then ended up playing for the Ravens for a right. few years. Yeah, he was their defensive coordinator as well for a little piece, right? Uh, I don't know if he was a defensive coordinator for the Ravens. I know he was. I know he's a defensive coordinator for Wisconsin. Though. Right. Yeah. And he is a really good coach because he played football the hard way, right. where you yeah, have to yeah. know what's happening before it happens. Otherwise, you can't make a play. And he was a special teams ace. And so Jamerson, at the minimum, is going to give you a bunch of help on special teams. Um, and then when we get into corners, I'm a Carlton Davis guy, personally. I think Denzel Ward's very good. I love Joseph Jackson. Uh, jo- excuse me, Joshua Jackson from Iowa. But Carlton Davis from Auburn, he committed the right amount of pass, interference, pass interference that I really like. <laughs> Explain that. Like – Every play, you could have called pass interference on him, but you can't call pass interference on a guy every play. So you got to let him get away with some stuff. And you watch Darrell Revis play. We watched even guys like when D'Angelo Hall was at his best. They're always grabbing. They're always tugging. They're always pulling somebody. Right. And he does that. And he plays that way. And I think he's going to be a very good player at the next level. Okay, I got a question. Uh, how did? What was your reaction when – uh, Taron Johnson, I think it was a defensive back. Um, and the ball just bounced straight off of his head. It kind of <laughs> became a kind of became a uh, viral video and a meme, pretty much. Uh, how did the stock go down immediately after that? Here's the, <laughs> it went down, but here's the thing: that's the kid from uh, Weber State. He 
clearly wasn't watching the drill before the drill started. Like, he wasn't paying attention at all. He got in line for the drill and looked the wrong way. Like, did you think it was going to be different than everyone that went before you? Wow. Be prepared. Yeah, I, I, I was... I think just the slow motion and watching it's everybody's bad, reaction. Slow motion. The, yeah, watching everybody's reaction in the background I was just like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely one of the the highlights or lowlights of the of the combine for sure. Dwayne, you got any any more questions before we let Felder go uh, this evening? Uh, anybody else as far as the Panthers go? Any more needs that you can see that they need to address? Maybe a running uh, back or something like that. I, well, yeah, I mean, probably going to need another running back. I know McCaffrey isn't. Gonna be that, gonna be the forty carry uh, game guy. So, uh, running back and a safety. Do you see any kind of safeties? I know we got the whole ownership situation down in Charlotte too. Uh, but do you see anybody at running back or safety that the Panthers probably need? I'm gonna go back to the Oregon well again. Royce Freeman. No one's talking about him. Royce is awesome. So I'm gonna go go get Royce Freeman. You can probably get him. Maybe you don't have to get him in the second round. You can get him in the third round. Get Royce Freeman. Um, also, if you can't get Royce Freeman, also watch Ronald Jones, who is a violent runner. Probably got to get him in the second or the third round, though. Uh, so I like him. And I will say, do not get Bo Scarborough. Don't draft him. Bad idea. Mark Walton, better idea. A guy that can help you out. And he's able to run. He can run between tackles, get outside tackles. But he can also score from distance. Score from distance. Um, Troy Apke from um, Penn State, from a safety standpoint, him or Marcus Allen can both help uh, box safety and a free safety, which would be really nice. Um, then when we talk about some of these other guys, again, I mentioned Natrell Jamerson. I think he brings sort of a complete package, which is a huge plus, which would be great for the Panthers. And uh, Dom Sanders. I'm a huge Dom Sanders fan. Uh, he's from Georgia. He is a guy that um, just – He's played a lot of football. He understands sort of the ins and outs. He's one of those guys that can be – he's crafty enough to stick in the league for a long time. So, I think he's another one that I really – I'm really high on. All right. Okay. And I've got one more thing for you before I let you go, Mike. Um, any HBCU guys that might make a splash like uh, Tariq Cohen did last year? Yeah. Tariq Cohen made – he made way more than a splash. That dude is a monster. Um, but for me, I look at, I was actually upset personally that, um, my man Kincaid from Grambling wasn't invited to the combine. Yeah, that's, yeah. That was Devonta crazy. Kincaid, cause yo, I can tell you this, Devonta Kincaid last summer, I saw him in Oregon at the opening and it was him. It was Mason Rudolph. It was, I don't remember who the, a couple of the other, oh, it was the kid from BYU Tanner Mangum and Sam Darnold. They were all there with Devonta Kincaid and they go through this quarterback challenge and Devonta, uh, Devonta Kincaid tied with Sam Darnold at the quarterback challenge. Wow. Darnold beat him in overtime, but Kincaid tied with him straight up. Wow. He's really good. Yeah. I want yeah, him the opportunity to be in camp and play quarterback for somebody more than anyone else. Like he is, He's not just my favorite like HBCU player to watch. He's my he's one of my like top ten players to watch in all yeah. was he was this past season in all of college football. He's yeah. super legit. I hope that he's at whether it's um a Texas or an LSU, depending on if he's training in Louisiana or in Texas. I hope he's at one of their pro days 
so he can show up those skills. If you're betting on anybody, I'm betting on him. Yeah, like I remember in the Celebration Bowl, he scared me a lot. So uh, he's crazy with the football, right? Like he can do he anything. He really is. He really is. And and just by, I was just glad ANC's defense stopped him when they needed to the most because he's he's scary. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Felder, before we totally let you go, I can't uh, let you leave without talking a little bit of Major League Baseball as you're going to go into the season as a defending World Series champion, Houston Astros. What's your outlook for the season? Are you riding high? And whatever happens this year just happens, uh, you know, off the World Series hangover. Or are you expecting your guys to, uh, you know, do it again? I'm retired from baseball. I don't care about anything that happens anymore. As far as, far as I know, I'll never watch another baseball game again. Uh, when I stop watching baseball, the Astros are champions, and I'll never see another game. <laughs> I, I hope to get that way one day with the Mets, but we shall see. We had a chance three years ago, but we we know how that went. So, yeah. um, no, but no, I'm super excited. I, like Realistically, the whole – most of the team is coming back. Hopefully add a couple pieces in the bullpen. They're going to be really good. But, I mean, Springer, Bregman, Altuve, Correa, come on. Like, And I love Yuli Gurriel. So we're going to be – this team is going to be good again this year. It's just going to be how do they handle pressure. And you know this. You know I doubted them last year. When they lost game five to the Yankees, I think it was, I was like, well, they're going to lose. And they were able to win. And then when they lost game – I think game five again to the Dodgers, I was like, they're going to lose. And they were able to persevere and get it done. So we'll see how they handle, like, I mean, this is crazy to have go into the season with a bullseye on your back because the last time the Astros were a target was honestly never. And the last time they were even, like, the semblance of a target was in the 90s. And most of the guys on this team probably weren't even born yet. So it's pretty exciting. All right. All right. Felder, let the people know where they can find you, where they can find your work online, where they can follow you on Twitter, where they can follow your uh, lovely culinary skills as well. <laughs> All right, so um, still work for Bleacher Report, but most of my work you'll be able to find on uh, the Michael Felder on Facebook. So facebook.com slash the Michael Felder, and you'll be able to find all my cooking stuff. I keep all my cooking at Instagram. It's at it's Felder, I T S F E L D E R. It's Felder, and then everything else is on Twitter uh, at in the bleachers. All right. Mike Felder, we are so thankful that you could join us tonight, man, for all your great insight. Help these, uh, you know, guys out here, you know, prepare for the uh, NFL draft. Hopefully, you know, they got some good information. Some guys that their teams can, uh, you know, hopefully their scouting department is uh, watching as much film as you have. And, uh, you know, they'll get some gems. Uh, and and uh, just thank you for joining us and uh, spending the time with us tonight. Yes, sir. Thank you. Dude, it's been fun. I'll also always remember Lamar Jackson is a quarterback. <laughs> all right. Never forget. That's the final word from Mike Felder. Now, at this time, we're just going to remind you that this is Know the Score. I'm here with Dwayne, the Libra icon, and we're brought to you by CSPN.us. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. Now, Dwayne, of course, we're in the middle of free agency. It's wide open. Everything is moving fast and furious. Um, Too fast. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even keep up. <laughs> the 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 it got it got started right off the bat with the Broncos making the very first move as they signed former Minnesota Vikings quarterback Case Keenum. So Minnesota is uh, now going to look like they're going to sign Kirk Cousins. So Minnesota, who had probably one of the best quarterback situations at the end of last season with three really you know good quarterbacks with Case Keenum, 
uh, Bradford and Teddy Bridgewater are don't have any of those guys anymore, and now they're going with Kirk Cousins. So talk about the Broncos getting Case Keenum and the Vikings getting Kirk Cousins. I guess just like we said earlier with Felder, Paxton Lynch just doesn't really exist, huh? Um, I mean, we have a situation where the Vikings, they, they did have three quarterbacks that were pretty reliable, but you knew this was a temporary situation uh, in Minnesota. I think Case Keenum knew it was a one-year kind of thing. Uh, Sam Bradford probably figured if Case Keenum had this much success, am I really going to be able to come back and replicate that? I mean, you know, as long as Sam Bradford's been in the league, he's only got seven – he's only averaging seven wins. He only has 34 wins, but he's had a whole lot of money accumulated in that time. Um, ski mask all-star, but – I would also say uh, Teddy Bridgewater, I'm sure he thought, you know, maybe I get my knee back together and I can get this team back. But the run that Case Keenum had, he ended up getting the getting this um, situation with the Denver Broncos. But, you know, then the Broncos are going to send Trevor Simeon to the Vikings as well. So that's going to be Kirk Cousins' backup. Um, but Paxton Lynch is still there. We still don't know what he could do, really. So... And if the Broncos do go another young quarterback, that's really going to be like, is this another temporary situation for Case Keenum? Because look at what happened with the Rams. I mean, he was really set up to fail because he had Jeff Fisher as a head coach. Um, But will Vance Joseph, will the Broncos, will John Elway actually give the guy a full season of work to see if he can really continue to have that success that he had a year ago. Drew Brees signed a two-year contract extension with the Saints for $50 million, so he will remain the Saints quarterback. So they keep their continuity coming off of their uh, great bounce-back year this year. So Uh, um, it looks like these may be the last two years for Drew. Um, $25 million a season, that's a pretty big hit uh, against their cap. So I, I guess they're in it for, you know, these next two years. I know that, you know, pains you as an NFC South rival. But just talk right. about the, the Saints and kind of their game plan here moving forward. Well, it pains me as a rival, but it encourages me as a, from the fantasy side because I do have the reason as my quarterback in fantasy. So um, it does, con- like you said, a continuity it's a good it's a good move for the Saints. So I think they they don't have that special quarterback waiting in the wings yet. So to have uh, to have Drew Brees uh, three up for the for the Saints is a good thing. He keeps everything going with Ingram, Kamara, Thomas, Josh Hill, um, Willie Sneed. That offense stays intact. So um, it's a really good win for the Houdat Nation. The Kansas City Chiefs added some more speed on the outside as they signed uh, former uh, Rams receiver Sammy Watkins. Allen Robinson is going to uh, go move on to the Bears. So, you know, uh, now Trubisky has himself a, a new number one target. Talk about these two wide receivers moving on. Watkins uh, is going to be paired with Pat Mahomes. Hopefully, you know, we can get back to the Sammy Watkins of a couple of years ago, uh, catching deep balls, streaking down the sideline. Mahomes definitely has the arm to get it to him. And uh, Allen Robinson, um, he's been, you know, the best receiver for Jacksonville the last few years. And uh, now he's moving on to be the, you know, go-to guy for the up-and-coming Bears. Yeah, Sammy Watkins and Pat Mahomes, I see a nice connection. But I really saw 
a decent connection between him and Goff. It's just going to be a matter of who's going to can can Mahomes get him the ball? And you got a lot of speed on the outside. I mean, you got Tyreek Hill, you got Sammy Watkins, you got Travis Kelsey. Uh, the Chiefs are really setting Pat Mahomes up with a lot of talent. You got Kareem Hunt out the backfield who can catch the ball pretty well. So you have plenty of talent there. It's going to be can Mahomes execute and get the ball down the field like he should versus, you know, uh, the check the check down King Alex Smith, who's used to digging a diamond, came Mahomes let it fly. And as for Allen Robinson, I said it earlier. I'm like the Bears are really loading Mitchell Trubisky with a lot of weapons. Uh, they Coach Nagy is really getting his his guys to get some more weapons because he really didn't have anybody to throw to, but Tariq Cohen really. <laughs> If we were to be really honest here, I can't even name the top Bears receiver. Uh, I mean, Kevin White was there for a little bit, but he got hurt. So I really don't know who he was throwing to. I mean, Zach Miller was there, then he got hurt um, at the tight end spot. So now you got Allen Robinson. Uh, you got you got White. You got Cohen. Um, they added another receiver. I forgot who, but it was a good pickup, and it shows that the Bears are committed to – being a contender in this very, very competitive NFC North. All right. Sam Bradford is on his way out West as he's had a one-year deal with the Arizona Cardinals. Carlos Hyde is moving from out West to the Midwest as he's going to join the Cleveland Browns. So, um, and the, and the 49ers have uh, agreed with, uh, the former Minnesota running back mechanic to take uh, Carlos Hyde's spot. So, uh, shuffle there for the 49ers. I really thought that Hyde was going to be a big part of their plans as you know, he had a really good year last year with no quarterback, but um, unfortunately he won't get to see the uh, greener pastures of playing a full season with Jimmy Garoppolo. So talk about, you know, Cleveland looks like, you know, again, they're trying to rebuild and be competitive at the same time. Um, they've had Duke Johnson. Um, they also had, um, God, what's the dude, Isaiah Crowell uh, in the backfield the last couple of years. Kind of, you know, where does Carlos Hyde fit in their equation now? Well, Carlos Hyde went to Ohio State, so he's familiar with the Midwest. And so that's really going to get a lot of Browns fans pumped up because of the Ohio State ties. And so it's going to be a good move for Cleveland. It's a good move for Carlos because, you know, you get to play pretty much back at home. You get to literally go back to Ohio State whenever you want to and get back to your school and be around the players and fans that literally worship the ground that you walk on. So it's a good move for Carlos Hyde. Uh, you know, him and Duke Johnson will probably form a very good duo. I mean, Isaiah Crowell, that could be a good pickup for the Panthers and hit Marty Herney. Um, but it's going to be one of those things where um, one of them is expendable. Crowell's a free agent anyway, so it looks like he's on his way out. Uh, Jarek McKinnon, uh, he was a pretty good pickup for the for the Forty Niners in the replacement. He can run, he can pat, I mean, he can catch the ball. Uh, so he's and he's a real good speedster. So um, I think that's going to be one of the things that he does better than Carlos Hyde is catch the ball at the backfield. Uh, Carlos Hyde is a bruising runner inside the tackles. Uh, McKinnon is get on the edge and use your speed to go around him and use the better route runner and uh, better hands. So he's going to have a really good experience with uh, Garoppolo. And 
And just I like what John Dorsey's doing in Cleveland. He's he's not just trying to rebuild for the future. He's trying to get this team to better uh, better themselves immediately. So not only you are adding so much with Taylor Landry Hyde and and um, someone else, but you might want to use one of those picks now on the left tackle since Joe Thomas has retired after eleven seasons with the Browns. So. Uh, if I wanted to use one of those picks now, five five picks in the first 65 on a tackle. Right. Yeah, that's definitely uh, – that was some news that came out today. Joe Thomas, uh, he had a season-ending injury. Uh, there was a lot of speculation that this may be his last year, and he des- and he made the confirmation earlier today as he announced that he would be retiring after 11 seasons. Um, maybe the most shocking news of the free agency period was that the Packers were going to pick up Jimmy Graham and release Jordy Nelson. Uh, they also picked up Muhammad Wilkerson from the Jets as well. So the Packers uh, making some major moves. Um, I, I I don't know what to say. I mean, Jordy Nelson, number one target for Aaron Rodgers the past, you know, five seasons or so. I know he's dealt with some injuries the past two seasons, and maybe that's the reason why the Packers uh, wanted to move on. Um, Devontae Adams, you know, had a really breakthrough season this year. So I guess they're feeling, you know, that they're going to move on. This is the perfect time. So talk about the Packers kind of reshuffling their passing game and uh, adding uh, Muhammad Wilkerson to their defensive line. So it is a tough thing to see Jordy Nelson, who's been Mr. Reliable for the vast majority of his career. Of course, the last two seasons have been pretty rough for him, but he's going to get picked up somewhere. Uh, for at least a couple more seasons. Um, but like you said, Devontae Adams had a breakthrough year. You still got Randall Cobb. You still have Ty Montgomery. You still have uh, you still have um, Lance Kendricks at one tight end. And then you also add in like a dynamic receiver, receiving tight end in Jimmy Graham. And I think it just didn't work with Russell Wilson and that offense in Seattle. Uh, they was starting to... They were starting to come together and click towards the end of his time there, but uh, I think he's going to get a lot more looks, a lot more targets, and he's going to have those saint-like years again with Aaron Rodgers giving him the ball versus uh, what he was having to go through Seattle with Russell Wilson where he would sometimes not even have any targets and lead the game with no catches for no yards. And uh, the defense um, definitely is a good – pick up a Wilkerson. He can definitely get to the quarterback uh, from the defensive line position and whether it's inside or outside. And and it's just a good, really good move. But the Packers secondary still has a tendency to be like Swiss cheese. So you still got to get somebody to shore that up, especially since you dealt uh, Demarius Randall to the Browns too. Speaking of secondary, the former Patriots cornerback Michael Malcolm, excuse me, Butler will be joining the Titans uh, to shore up their secondary. The Titans have had a pretty good front seven the past few years, but their secondary has been a little leaky. So talk about Malcolm Butler uh, joining the Titans and uh, what that does to help, you know, fortify their defense going forward, uh, coming off their playoff run. It really solidifies the secondary. The secondary wasn't as bad as many people would think. I mean, Kevin Byers was, up there with the interception category at the safety position. And then you have a Dory Jackson, who's been a pretty good cornerback shutting down their top receivers for most of the time he's been there. I think we had a little bit of issues at the free safety and the opposite cornerback. I mean, Logan Ryan was good, but not great. So 
I mean, you get another um, former Patriot to plug in that spot, Malcolm Butler. Um, you know, you got the Patriot ties with Mike Vrabel, who is a Belichick, uh, Bill Belichick uh, player. So part of that player slash coaching tree there in New England. So it's a really good move for the Titans. It does help um, improve their secondary to back up that pretty stout front seven. All right. And the final, you know, major news was that Teddy Bridgewater and Tremaine Johnson both signed with the Jets. Teddy Bridgewater got a one-year deal. Tremaine Johnson got a longer-term deal. So the Jets, um, you know, just like they've at least maybe for one season uh, found a quarterback. And Tremaine Johnson uh, goes along with their defense. Their secondary was really good last year, started coming to his own. And now he's going to get his money and, uh, you know, be the focal point moving forward for the Jets. So just talk about the Jets making their moves. Um, the Teddy Bridgewater thing for one year, I guess it's just to kind of, you know, kick the tires and see, and then we'll deal with them again if he can make it through the season with his health and everything. Um, you know, talk about what Teddy Bridgewater can maybe do for their quarterback position. Well, he's going to get by Josh McCown first because the Jets also signed him for, to another one-year deal. And pretty much Josh McCown was on a proven deal, and he did prove himself. I mean, he got more wins that many people expected. I mean, a lot of people thought this would be a 1-15 Jets squad that actually ended up 6-10. and 10. So, um, Teddy Bridgewater, I think he's going to have to outperform McCown in camp to unseat him. Or if Josh McCown just performs bad enough in the regular season – then you get to see what Teddy Bridgewater is made of. Uh, so just because he is there, it's good to see him get picked up uh, by somebody. Uh, we knew it wasn't going to be Minnesota up there. They signed Kirk Cousins. Um, but uh, the Tremaine Johnson edition, like finally they get a – the defense on the Jets has always been pretty good. They get a, a good cornerback that they haven't really had since Revis. And so, you know, it's a really good move for – the New York Jets going forward, and and uh, we'll see how you know things play out on the offensive side of the ball, um, especially with the draft coming up, and who will the who will the Jets take? Because do they go with another young quarterback for the future, or do they stick with um, McCown, Bridgewater, Bryce Petty? All right. So just a little opening, um, you know, the bigger names in free agency, you know, will be, you know, guys will be signing all through the week and the weekend. Um, but these were, you know, the first big dominoes to fall. So we just give you a big update here on this special edition of the score. Anything else that uh, shocked you as far as this, um, you know, leading up to the free agency period? I know the Kansas City Chiefs um, are remaking their defense as Tom Bodley and Justin Houston both got released as they couldn't work out new deals. Uh, anybody else that kind of, you know, caught your eye that got released or won't be brought back by the current team? Um, Not many on the releasing side of things. I do know that, well, probably actually the Danny, Danny Amendola getting released by New England, going to Miami. Uh, and then Nate Solder getting released by the Patriots, going to the Giants, as we talked about earlier when uh, Mike was on. Um Probably those shot those kind of shot me because you know you, it's kind of is it really something going on in New England that was being alluded to that we kind of just brushed to the side or is it is it just guys who just wanted to move on or or is it something else? So those were probably the things that stood out to me the most. Um, and um, I do want to say thank you to the Redskins for. Let the Panthers get Bashad Breland. 
that was really a good secondary move. Sorry, Doc. Yeah, man, congratulations. Um, I guess it looks like we're – I don't know what we're going to do there. I, I, I was hoping that we were going to maybe be in the Tremaine Johnson sweepstakes, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. I thought we were maybe get into the Richard Sherman sweepstakes, but that didn't happen. So I thought the next best thing would be re-signing Breland, but now that's not going to happen. So one more position in need uh, coming to the draft for uh, my beloved Washington football team. So uh, before we sign off, is there anything else you'd like to comment on, or? Um, nah, pretty much that's it for for tonight. I'm just excited. I know it's not football related, but I'm excited for these first games tomorrow. Uh, just watching the first, the last game of the first four. So, um, shout out to everybody that does uh, listen to listen to know the score um, corners. Shout out to Jesse and Tobias as always, and I, I always want to thank CSPN for the opportunity, and uh, that's pretty much it. All right, I'd like to thank our special guest this evening, Mr. Michael Felder, for joining us, dropping the four one one as only he can. I'd like to thank Dwayne for joining me as well. I'd like to thank everybody here on the CSPN, and uh, just like. Uh, uh, Dwayne's head as well. Uh, Nabias and Jesse definitely thank them. I uh, hope we can get them back on the show soon and, uh, you know, get the whole crew back together so we can talk about these, you know, upcoming events. Uh, NBA playoffs are coming up soon. M- MLB opening day. The Masters, because Tiger Woods looks like he might be back to his old form. So it's going to be a lot of things to talk about. And hopefully we can get them on and, and they can share their thoughts and opinions. So on that note, for our special guest, Michael Felder, for the Libra icon, Dwayne. I'm Don DeLorente, and now you know the score.